Hey yo, what up? It's the Rob C Sportscast. Oh what? RC Productions. Y'all ready? Hey, get ready, get ready, get ready. It's the Rob C Sportscast. Crazy Knicks fan named Alex. All sports all the time, yeah, that's it. You want gridiron talk, you want college. NBA combat sports, your boy got it. Want that real rap raw, you feel flame. Want that sports talk, the Alex get it in. BA to NYC, we rock steady. New rocks and sports cash drops, and y'all better. What's going on, everybody? It's Alex Robson. Yes, I'm not dead. I am very much alive. And welcome back, finally, to a new episode of the Robson Sportscast. Good Lord above. It has been forever since I have done an episode. I am so glad to be back. My life's not as crazy. My life's not as busy right now. I'm finally going to get back into the swing of things, baby. Let's go ahead and get into it. We got some stuff to chat about. We got some stuff to talk about. And we are not going to hold anything back. Let's just jump right into it, baby. Let's go. Man, oh man, it feels so good to be back. I'm not going to go crazy and celebrate me being back. But it feels good. I'm not going to celebrate because we got way too much to get into. And if you're expecting me over the almost six months I have been away from the show to recap everything that's going on, you must be insane because I'm not going to do that. I'm still going to talk about the relevant stuff and we're going to jump right into it because man, oh man, there's something I got to talk about. And that something is about my guy. Now I have a lot of guys. But this guy is my guy because it's my quarterback. Yeah, I'm talking about the man I dubbed Wall Street Wilson. Zach Wilson. Coming off a great performance, in my opinion. Honestly, he played his best football in his entire career this past game. And this past game was not an easy one. Without... His starting left tackle, without his backup left tackle, so on his third string left tackle, missing his two starting tight ends, and his best wide receiver on the field was Braxton Barrios. Zach Wilson went toe-to-toe with the greatest of all time, Tom Brady, and the New York Jets almost beat old Tom Brady and the Bucks. But they ended up losing 28-24 after Tom Brady just did Tom Brady things. Let him on a comeback through game-winning touchdown at SOB. You're not in New England anymore. Can you just give us one instead of having to make people relive their nightmares like me? About how many times Tom Brady did that to the Jets when I was growing up as a fan? But anyway. Zach Wilson played well. 19-33 completion for 234 passing yards and a touchdown. That's good. Now, I know the stats don't jump off the sheet, but he looked well, running at a 89.7 QBR rating. I don't really look at that very much, but that is something you still want to take into account because it is a stat. But I have an issue, as I typically do with when I'm talking about the New York Jets, because if you know anything about New York sports, it's that the New York media is full of a bunch of insane people. And probably full of a lot of bipolar people, too, because they're always jumping back and forth. There is not a happy medium, and I'm a victim of this, too. Trust me, I am a victim of this, too. You are bouncing back and forth, back and forth. You are one way or the other. You don't find a middle ground. You're very emotional, and that's okay. But there is just some things that are ridiculous, so... In this game, the New York Jets had a 4th and 2. They decide to roll the dice. They know who's on the other sideline. They're going to try and convert this. If you convert it, the game is probably over, and the New York Jets will pull off a massive upset. 
So the play was a little bit weird. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I'm going to talk about it in a little bit. So Zach Wilson's under center, has a running back in the backfield with him. Running on a motion from the right side is Braxton Barrios, who had a great day as well. And that looks like that's where it's supposed to go. It's supposed to be kind of a jet sweep kind deal to Braxton Barrios with the option for Zach Wilson to keep the football and take it himself on a quarterback sneak. Now, from fourth and two against that defensive line, that is stupid. But it was just an option. Zach Wilson took it, came very well short, and it would end up giving Tampa Bay back the ball. And, of course, Tom Brady did Tom Brady things. Now, Zach Wilson has been under heavy fire for this. And I don't really get it. Here's some of the stuff the New York media is stating. Bart Scott himself, a former New York Jet, infamous for a great after-post-game speech against the New England Patriots in the playoffs, and the New York Jets pulled off an upset, saying, can't wait for a matchup in the AFC title game with Pittsburgh. Which we all know the Jets, of course, lost. They, they, I could, we could have waited for that as Jet fans. Another L in the playoffs. Um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. That was a long time ago. And I barely knew what football was at that point. Uh, <laughs> not even sure if I was really a fan then. I was probably still geeking out over Star Wars and stuff like that, which is okay. You can like football and Star Wars at the same time. Don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. And if they do tell you otherwise, they just don't get it. Anyway. But he was met with a lot of under fire. Zach Wilson said a lot of people saying he was selfish, saying that he was egotistical. He wanted to be the hero in the moment. And Bart Scott even said this was a bad character moment and he should apologize to every single one of his teammates for being a bad teammate. And this irks me. And I'm going to get into why. This irks me because if you listen to what Mike LaFleur, the offensive coordinator, and Robert Sala, the head coach, both say, it was a miscommunication. While Zach Wilson had the option, Robert Sala said himself he believes him as a coaching staff. They did a poor job communicating to Zach Wilson that that option shouldn't have been there. It should have been an end around to Barrios, and that was that. And that's what's going to happen. Rookie head coach... Rookie play caller as an offensive coordinator and a rookie quarterback. That's going to happen. Get him out of the way now. I'm fine with it. And honestly, I was fine with the Jets losing. I'm not mad about that loss. They put up a fight in a game they shouldn't have been in. They were 13 and a half point underdogs going into this football game, and they only lost by a couple. I'll take that. But this, this is where it gets me. They know that information, but they're still looking at Zach Wilson and saying, You're an idiot. You're a fool. You're, you're selfish. You're a jerk. You're, you're a bad teammate. Apologize. Apologize for a mistake? Now, of course, in life, you want to apologize if you make a mistake, but this is football. Mistakes happen to everybody, especially when you're a rookie quarterback, a rookie head coach, and a rookie offensive coordinator calling plays. That's ha That happens. And I just don't get it. Why are we hammering on Zach Wilson for a rookie mistake? It happens. One rookie mistake in a game where he was sensational the entire time. Making great reads. His fourth straight game without an interception. Zach Wilson in the sixth Injured six games before he got injured against the New England Patriots. Zach Wilson had four total touchdowns and nine turnovers. In his four games back, he has eight total touchdowns and only three turnovers. It's not incredible, but it's progress, and that's what you want to see out of a rookie quarterback. And when you watch him play, you can see it. He's starting to get it down. He's starting to get better. But he makes one mistake, and a minor one at that. One that's not solely on him. It was on Sala. But mostly it was on Mike LaFleur for not communicating that that option for Zach Wilson to run it wasn't there. Rookie quarterback's not going to see everything. It was a mistake. It's not a judge of character. And that was my biggest issue when we talked about Zach Wilson during the draft process. 
a lot of major sports journalists, sports talkers, all that kind of stuff like that, whatever you want to call them, sports broadcasters, were calling Zach Wilson the next Johnny Manziel, saying he had attitude issues, saying he was a bad teammate, saying he came from well, so he was spoiled. When Zach Wilson, when he was still at BYU, literally drove around in his car and did Uber Eats just to pay for lessons with his quarterback coach, John Beck. That's spoiled. And if you talk with anybody at BYU, they will tell you Zach Wilson was a great teammate. You talk to Jet players. Many times have they said, Zach Wilson, how great of a leader he is and how great of a teammate he is. The false narrative is just insane. And this has been going on all year. Now, part of it is because he is a new, he's in New York. I mean, New York sports media is ruthless, man. I always like to say, in New York... In the sports world, if you are winning, you are treated like a god. But if you are losing, you are public enemy number one. No in-between. People in New York either love you or they want you out. No in-between. But still, it's just weird to me how we look at guys in the NFL. Especially this rookie quarterback class. I'm going to be excluding Mac Jones from this because Mac Jones has been undisputedly the best rookie quarterback so far. But even I will say, he has not had to deal with what Zach Wilson has had to deal, has he? Situations can make and break you. That's making Mac Jones right now, in my opinion. Mac Jones has never been playing outside of the system. I feel like Zach Wilson has had two at points and intervals. Especially when your best receiver is Braxton Berrios. Now, let's talk a little bit about some of these other quarterbacks, shall we? And again, I'll probably exclude Trey Lance, too, because he's had a lot of small sample size, and everybody kind of agreed that coming out of North Dakota State, he probably needed a little bit of time. So let's talk about Mr. Sunshine, the golden child, Trevor Lawrence. You want to talk about how he's played? Trevor Lawrence threw three interceptions against the New England Patriots. Three. Trevor Lawrence has thrown two touchdown passes in the past eight games. Two touchdowns in the past eight games. And a lot of people, of course, want to blame, oh, it's Urban Meyer's fault. Oh, is the Jacksonville Jaguars not having any weapons? It's not Trevor's fault. Zach Wilson doesn't have anything. Zach Wilson was on wide receiver four as his wide receiver one. His tight end was an undrafted free agent from Old Miss. He was on his third string left tackle. But it's because Zach Wilson's in New York. And he didn't go to a big-name school that everyone's just like, oh, there's no way this guy's going to be any good. Talk about another. Justin Fields. Joe Morley, my good friend. I hope you're listening to this because you have called Justin Fields the best quarterback in this draft class. He has been awful at points in intervals throwing the football. Now, his athleticism has never been denied. He is special running the football. But his accuracy is abysmal at points in intervals. Oh, it's Matt Nagy's fault. Oh, Allen Robinson isn't stepping up enough. Oh, the Bears don't have a very good run game. Oh, the Bears don't have a great offensive line. What the hell does Zach Wilson have? Like I just said, all the things I just said. Now, I'm not calling any of these guys busts. But the thing that irks me is a lot of people are calling Zach Wilson that at points and intervals. Saying he's not a franchise quarterback. And even some people were saying that after the mistake that he made in the, in the Tampa Bay game. Even though he just played the best complete game in his career so far. 
and they've been saying like, oh, he's a bust. He, he's a terrible decision maker. He's a small guy. Where's that talk for Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields who have been just as bad and at points worse than Zach Wilson? And like I just said, Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence has thrown two touchdowns in the past eight games, and Justin Fields is on the bench hurt right now. And even then, when he was off the field, the Bears were just as good. <laughs> I mean, like he wasn't being a difference maker. I'm not calling any of them busts. But it's just absurd to me. Just absurd to me. And I'm going to bring this up one last point, too. There are still some people out there, and I'm going to mention them. It's me. It's Alex Robson. I'm back. Of course I'm going to mention this bum. How about that guy, Sam Darnold? You want to talk about how he's been? Everyone and their mama saying, oh, it's the New York Jets' fault. Oh, man, he's in Carolina with all those weapons and Matt Rule and Joe Brady. Sam Donald's going to be awesome. And for three weeks, he was. And then those ghosts started popping back up again, didn't they? Statistically, he has been worse this year than he was last year. I didn't think that was possible. At one point, this guy was benched behind... P.J. Walker, and washed up Cam Newton. Dorner was so bad, he got a guy that I think is still really, really good, and Joe Brady fired. And he's going to get a guy I think is a good coach at the college level. I don't know about NFL coach. But he's going to get a guy that's a damn good leader of men, and Matt Rule fired too. And that's all the New York Jets' fault? Well, part of it is, maybe Sam Darn just wasn't that good. How can we have this double narrative? When we got one guy that was a bust in Sam Darnold, and who's been so bad this year, and we're pointing to him and saying, oh, that's the New York Jets' fault, but putting at Zach Wilson, who's been just as bad of a situation that is better at points and intervals, when this team's fully healthy, I think it's a little bit better than what Sam Darnold had to deal with. But still, it's not fair. But let's not, just, let's not talk all about Zach Wilson, all right? Let's not talk all about my guy. Because something else happened in that Tampa Bay New York Jets game, and I still don't believe I saw it from my own eyes. In the middle of the game, when the New York Jets were actually up 24-10 to 10 at one point, Antonio Brown, oh, good Lord, Mr. CTE himself, was asked to go into the game twice by Bruce Arians, the Buccaneers head coach, and he said no for some unknown reason. I guess he was just fed up. Again, we still do not know, and I don't think we're going to get an answer from Antonio Brown. So Bruce Arians told him to leave. Antonio Brown said, I bet. Threw off his jersey, took off his work, took off his undershirt, threw it in the crowd, threw his gloves in the crown, and through the south end zone at MetLife Stadium, he's showing up peace signs to the crowd, hyping him up as he's heading out the exit. Moments later, a photo leaks about him standing outside the stadium with his suitcase, and then a video also is leaked of him and his Uber. In the past couple of days, he's been courtside at a couple of NBA games. My God, how the mighty have fallen. Having a conversation with my old man, my pops, when I was watching Sunday football with him. We were talking about Antonio Brown, the pace he was on when he was with the Pittsburgh Steelers, when they had the three Bs, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, and Ben Roethlisberger. Antonio Brown was on a Hall of Fame pace. He was making pace to be an all-time great. And he gets fed up with Pittsburgh and demands a trade. He gets traded to Buffalo for like two minutes, and then he demands to not have be traded there. So the trade gets vetoed. Next thing you know, he's traded to the Oakland Raiders. And oh my lord, things just get worse. He goes absolutely crazy there. Gets cut. 
signs with the New England Patriots for a little bit, plays a game, I think, there. And then he follows Tom Brady to Tampa Bay and wins a Super Bowl. Looking all right. Maybe finally he's turned the corner in this situation. This man has gone from Hall of Famer, potential legend, to the biggest clown in the world right now. Like, dude, what are you doing? At this point, you are done. Now, you've probably made enough money to where you will be fine for your life. But it's just absurd how a man can go from a legend to a dope like Antonio Brown did. And how quickly. And I mentioned CTE before. If you don't really know what that is, uh, look up the Chris Benoit situation. It was a wrestler. as a pretty dark turn to it. A little bit, more, very much more dark than what we're talking about here. You can go watch a documentary about there and just read up on it. But that's probably what caused a lot of that was CTE. It's just your brain getting effed up from too many hard hits. That's what Antonio Brown probably has. And I know Antonio Brown won't hear this. I think he's probably got bigger issues to deal with right now than listening to my show. But, dude, you got to get help. Like, professional help. Because this is bad. This is real bad. An episode like this is just unheard of. I couldn't believe when I was watching this past Sunday when I saw that. Because I had never seen anything like that before in my life. Antonio Brown. From best in the game. To the biggest dope. In the history of the NFL. In recent memory anyway. I'm sure there's some other morons in the NFL that I'm just, I just don't know of. I'd love to hear some stories though. But even I don't think any of them did what this what just happened here. Like what in the what in the blue hell? And that's for you, Tony Tucker. What in the blue hell? Makes no sense to me. Like how I just don't get it. It's such a weird situation, man. It is so weird. To the point where that wasn't just an act of defiance. That's an act of someone not having control. And that's where my statement for has A, B, please get help. Because you clearly need it. So at the end of the day, no matter how many memes I made of it. Oh my god, I got about 12 on my phone already. I just, just memes and jokes poking fun at Antonio Brown for how he exited MetLife this past Sunday. But man, it's bad. That's bad. And like I said before, he needs help. Like He needs professional help. And he'll probably never admit it because he's loco in the head. But somebody's got to get him help because I know he won't do it himself. Like, But he needs it. And it, it's a bad situation. It is a bad situation. But for now, that's enough NFL talk. That is enough NFL talk because there's a couple other things I want to get into. And i am come back around to the NFL here in a little bit. But there's another sport going on right now that I really want to talk about a lot, too. So let's go ahead and jump into our next topic. Let's talk about some basketball, shall we? Let's talk a little NBA action. Because there's a couple teams, a couple scenarios I just want to talk about. A couple situations, as some would call them. First off. I got to get it out of the way, man. I just got to. I got to. It's the damn Knicks, man. Just have to get it out of my system. What happened? This team has completely lost its identity. Their defense stinks. And that was the highlight of them last year. Their defense was so good. 
I think they allowed like 97 points a game. Like they're not even allowing 100 a game, and that's really good in today's NBA. But Julius Randle leading the charge. Of course, it fell apart in the playoffs because this team's incredibly young and all that kind of stuff like that. Julius Randle's on a really natural-born number one guy. But still, it was just like, man, this got potential. They had a good draft. They traded around a lot. Ended up getting a guy liking Quinnen Grimes from Houston, a really good 3 and D guy. You get Trey McBride, Miles McBride, my bad, not Trey McBride. That's a football player. Uh, but Miles McBride, a really good defending three-point shooting guard again. And you get Jericho Sims from Texas, a really big, just absolute tank inside the paint. And then free agency, it's man. I mean, you get Evan Fournier. I like him as a scorer. He can defend all right. The Kemba Walker signing, I did not like at all. But And I was proven right on that as he was actually benched for a little bit there. But he he's turning around a little bit. But still, it's like, okay, maybe not a big run. But I think they're a playoff team, a sneaky, sneaky team in the East that maybe can make a run and get to the, and get to the conference championship. But I'm thinking probably about the semis. Maybe another first-round exit, just more competitive. It's all right, but... They've just completely been terrible at points and intervals. Julius Randle has been playing ball hog most of the time. Evan Fournier is inconsistent. Like I said, Kemba Walker's just awful this year. One of the lone bright spots has been the development of R.J. Barrett. He's gotten a lot better, and I'm really happy to see that. But still, the rest of his team is just meh. That's why I was saying the Knicks needed a superstar. They needed to spend the big bucks on a Kawhi Leonard. Get that beast in here to the garden, and the Knicks would be a really good team in the East. I'm telling you, it would take pressure off Randall. Kawhi is easily a really good number one guy. Barrett can develop better. I mean, Derrick Rose is a good starting point guard. You got Emmanuel quickly. You didn't need to get Kemba Walker. It's awesome that he's back home in New York. Really cool, but still, it's just, no, 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 no. It's just not right now. They won. They won yesterday. I give them that. They won 104 to 94 against the Pacers. That's a team you should beat. They're 18 and 20 right now. And Lord, the NBA season's long. 38 games in out of a, out of 82. They still got a shot to be a playoff team, but still, man, it's just like. This team has so much potential to be so much better. They just need to sign a big name. You've shown that you're heading in the right direction. It's not like NBA free agents are going to avoid you now. You've shown you have the right pieces in place to be a potential contender in the East. Now you just need a star to add on to it. Randall's not that. And Randall's a good player. I'm not saying get rid of Randall. I like Julius Randle, but just not as my best player. As a second best player, okay, that could be fine. But honestly, I prefer him as a third best player. Because that's what I think RJ Barrett will develop into a really, really good basketball player. He's athletic. He can shoot. I mean, RJ Barrett's got all the talent. He's just so young. He's only 21 years old. I mean, that's insane. This is already his third year in the league, which is kind of weird when you think about NFL stuff. Usually when you're third league in the third day in the NFL, you're usually like 24, 25, 26. NBA, you go when you're 18, 19 years old. At one and done rule. But um still, like if you get a star like a Kawhi Leonard, that team is already so much better. So much better. Man, and it just annoys me because I thought for a minute there, I was like, oh man, the Knicks, they actually have something brewing here. Because the New York Knicks in my entire time of being a fan of them, they've only had one good year. The rest of them have been garbage. Failed draft pick after failed draft pick. God, I can count them. Guys like Porzingis, who I know ended up being a good player, but not, but he didn't stick around with the Knicks long enough. Frank Nielakina, oh my God, don't even get me started on that guy. K 
Kevin Knox has turned out to be a really rough pick, and I like the pick of Kevin Knox. He just didn't develop right. That's just like, God almighty. The one time I think there's something brewing here, and now, now you've just squandered it away. They need to pick this back up or some people are going to be getting fired. Because like I said earlier with about the Jets, the same thing for the Knicks, probably even worse than the Knicks. Because you're playing in the garden, the mecca of all things sports. People dream of doing anything in the garden. Just not good enough. It is not good enough. Especially for the potential this team showed last year. Next, next let's talk about the Golden State Warriors a little bit. Jesus H. Stephen Curry. MVP by far. And if you debate that, you're crazy. They're 29-7 and right now, which is incredible. That's the best record in the NBA. Only by half a game, the Suns are right behind them. But that guy, Curry, man. Revolutionary. Undoubtedly a first ballot Hall of Famer. The minute he's eligible, he should be put in. And he's put in by himself. I don't care. He needs to be in immediately. He has changed the game and how it is played. And this is all without Clay, who's going to be coming back in about five days. That's scary. If Clay Thompson comes back up to about 80% of what he was... This Golden State team should be the favorite to win the West. Maybe even the title. I don't know. But I'm telling you, man. That's a good basketball team right there. It's because it's just gelled so well. It's not just Curry. While Curry is doing a lot of it, Draymond Green has been playing a solid role. He leads the team in rebounds with 7.9, assists with 7.7, and blocks with with 1.2. Along with being a really good defensive juggernaut. Like, he has been a good player. And then you got a guy like Jordan Poole. Former Michigan Wolverine at 22 years old. Coming out of nowhere and just really lighting it up. You got a guy that comes off the bench every now and again in Gary Payton the second, who comes in and will drop a highlight dunk every now and again. You got Andrew Wiggins on this team who's a good role player. This team is so stacked. And if they get Clay Thompson on this team, good lord. And like I said, 80% of what Clay Thompson was before on this team is deadly. Because there's one thing in life you can't teach. Well, there's actually there's one thing in life you can't teach, and that's how to be a really great shooter consistently. I mean, you can work at it, but you can't really teach the true art form of it. Because it's a mindset. A shooter's mindset is not taught. It is inherent, in my opinion. And with that... Good Lord above. I mean, that team's going to be insane. That's what Clay Thompson's got. Like, he's got that shooter's mindset. And he and he's just naturally gifted behind the arc. So, 80% of them shooting for 15 a game. That team's not going to lose. Here's a team that's been losing a lot, though, and that's funny. The LA Lakers. The Super Lakers. With LeBron James. Carmelo Anthony. Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis. It has been an absolute mess. Right now, as it stands, the Super Lakers is at 519 and 19. <laughs> it's almost like I called it. I knew this wasn't going to work. Now, of course, I never said it on an episode because throughout that time period, I think I disappeared off the face of the podcasting earth for a little bit there. But the LA Lakers, 
I knew this was going to happen. Because of one thing. You're really going to put the point guard duties to the most selfish player in the NBA. I have been very adamant about my opinion on Russell Westbrook. A phenomenal talent, one of the best talents of this generation of basketball. But he is a one-man show that cannot be a role player. He's not a point guard. If they had a true point guard distributing the basketball out to these guys, they would have been golden. I would have preferred them to kept Alex Caruso, who is a damn good player on the on the Chicago Bulls right now. I prefer him to keep him. Or maybe give Lonzo Ball, who is an absolute stud with the Chicago Bulls as well right now, give him more time to develop. Then you would have had a distributing point guard that could play a role in the offense. Because Russell Westbrook's not going to do that. Russell Westbrook could not shoot to save his life. It is laughable how bad Russell Westbrook is. At shooting the basketball. Laughable. It's just sad. Because again. This is a good basketball player. 30% from three. Ain't going to cut it in the NBA today. 45% from the field is not going to cut it in the NBA today. In the NBA today, you have to be an above 50 shooter from the floor and about a solid 40% from three. Now, I know that sounds a bit much, but like I said, in the NBA today, that's the standard. The standard is hyper-aggressive shooting ability. What I mean by hyper-aggressive shooting ability? That when I point at you and say, take over, you can do it. I genuinely don't believe Russell Westbrook can do that. Now, in the past, he could. But now I just don't. And I'm sorry to say that, but that is my opinion. Lakers, you broke this yourself. Because honestly, I was fine with the mellow signing. I got it. That's LeBron's friend. Sign a point guard. Get more scores. And you could have made a run. But I'm telling you right now, this Lakers team, they ain't making it. They're not winning a championship. That's a damn shame. Because I was pulling for the Lakers. I wanted the Lakers to win a championship. Because I wanted to see Carmelo Anthony get that championship ring. But it ain't going to happen with this Lakers team. Not going to happen as long as Russell Westbrook is a part of that team. I don't give a damn who you trade for. But get him out of there. Because he's not going to do it for you. I'm sorry to say that. But it's just how I feel. Next topic I want to talk about. It's not about a team. It's about a player. That is Zion Williamson. There have been some photos going around the internet comparing his time when he first got drafted and first started playing with the New Orleans Pelicans to now. And I'm telling you right now, it looks like that man's been enjoying a little bit too much that Louisiana gumbo. Because that's a big boy. Now, the last news I heard about Zion Williamson was that his activity with basketball has been shut down until the foreseeable future. Due to some injuries. That is not good. And I mean not good. Because there was one thing I said. During that draft process with Zion Williamson. I said it very very clear. Zion Williamson has all the potential in the world. Super athlete. Big, physical, strong inside. Great defender. Has a jump shot that he can work on, but 
pieces are there to where it can become good jumper. But the biggest thing said he had to lose weight. Zion Williamson is six foot seven, but you could tell he had a lot of weight on his knees. And for a guy that does a lot of jumping around and his natural gift is his athleticism and his ability inside the paint just to out-bully everybody, that's not what you want. You don't want to have a lot of weight in your knees. Because I always said this about Zion Williamson. Could be a great player. But as it stands right now, one ACL tear, boom, gone. He's done. Because he doesn't have the tools in place to have a backup plan. That's what made a guy like Michael Jordan around for so long. I believe he was like, what, 42 when he retired? It's because he knew how to shoot the basketball. It's like that saying. If you teach a man a fit to fish, he can feed his family forever. I think that's the saying. I heard that like twice. I don't know. Something like that. Google it. I don't know. I'm a sports podcaster, not a psychologist or philanthropist, whatever the hell the term is. But Mike, since he had that art of shooting, when his athleticism deteriorated as he got old, he could still play the game at a high level. Well, Zion, he didn't have those pieces yet. And like I said, the bones were there to give him that ability. But they weren't there yet. He needed time to get to work at it. And now he's not even doing anything. It's not good. I'm telling you right now, it is not looking good for his NBA career. That's a damn shame because that is one of the most... One of the best highlight reels for a college player ever was his time at Duke. And that one year, he was just so fun to watch. I'd never watched more regular season college basketball in my life than when Zion Wilson was playing with the Duke Blue Devils. Because usually with college basketball, I do not care until tournament time. Conference tournaments and March Madness. That's all I cared about with college basketball. But with Zion, that was a different case. If he was healthy, I was watching a Duke basketball game because I just wanted to see him play. It was so fun. But now he may become the biggest what-if story in NBA history. One of, if not the. What if he just listened to Alex Robson's show? I'm just kidding. The question is, what if he put the time in and lost that weight? We could be talking about one of the greatest athletes in basketball history. Now, I'm not talking about one of the greatest players ever. But in terms of just his pure athleticism and athletic ability, one of the greatest ever. That's my opinion. Zion still turned out to be really, really good. Absolutely. He's got a ton of time. I think he's only like 19, 20 years old. Got a ton of time. But this is not a good start. In fact, it's possibly the worst start you could have. When the one thing that was holding you back was a little bit too much weight. And the one thing you went out and did was enjoyed a little bit too much of that Cajun flavor. In the bayou. Let's move on to our last topic. It's a sigh of boredom and disappointment, my friends. Because I kind of forgot about this. Because my brain is hardwired to forget about this. But here we are. The college football season has one game left. Just one. And it's a game where I am rooting for the bomb, as they say. 
as number one Alabama takes on number three Georgia in a rematch of the SEC championship game where Nick Saban looks for yet another championship while Kirby Smart looks to finally slay his demons and take out his former boss. It's so boring, man. Now, I have tremendous respect for what Nick Saban is doing and has done at Alabama. I mean, if you don't, then you're just either an Auburn fan or you're just a hater. Which, if you're an Auburn fan, I understand. But, man... They've been in all but one college football playoff since it started. All but one. And they've won it several times. It's just ridiculous, man. Absolutely absurd how a team can be this dominant for so long. One of those moments where like, man, they just can't keep getting away with it. I'm telling you right now, nothing's changing until Nick Saban retires, man. This is why I believe Bama will win this one again. And that's tough for me to say about Georgia, because Georgia's been a really good team this year. Wiped the floor with everybody they faced, but the minute they faced Alabama, they were exposed. There's one team that they can't get across. And it shows, because they wolfed up on Michigan. I thought Michigan was going to be in that football game to the end. But uh uh-uh. Georgia just wiped the floor with them. Much like they did everybody else, but Alabama. So, I just don't know, man. My prediction is for Alabama to win this, but I just don't understand something. This is what I want to talk about when I'm leading into here. Why do you people want to expand this? Not everybody, but a lot of people want to see the playoff expanded. Some to a reasonable degree, like say, hey, the New Year's Six Bowls, the Big Bowl games. Make those playoff games. Okay. Let's talk about those New Year's Six Bowl games, shall we? Let's just take a little peek into them. So one of them... I'll talk about the ones that weren't already, like, the playoff games. You know what I mean? Because I don't really want to just beat a dead horse. You know what I mean? So the first one, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. That is part of the New Year's Six. Played between Pittsburgh and Michigan State. Now, Michigan State did beat Michigan. And I think Michigan State... Could probably beat Cincinnati. But I could still see the Bearcats win on that one. Is Michigan State beating Alabama or Georgia? No. Not at all. Pittsburgh ain't beating any of of them. Now, Pittsburgh is a great story. But they'll be right back to the bottom of the pit, as some would say. Like the pun I did there? Pittsburgh being at the bottom of the pit. (laughs) but this happens every now and again with Pittsburgh they have a great year or they have a big win and it just shows that hey they're they're high but they'll never be what they once were and I hate to say that but it's true next up the Fiesta Bowl Oklahoma State and Notre Dame now Oklahoma State had a great comeback win but they're not beaten They can maybe beat Cincinnati. I'll give them maybe on that one. But I still don't think they're beating any of those playoff teams. Not no for damn sure Notre Dame, man. No for damn sure. Because it happened before. Notre Dame has consistently shown that they can't. Because every single time they get in, they get their rear end beaten in. Next one, 
the Rose Bowl. Utah and Ohio State. This is where it gets a little bit interesting. Utah, I'm sorry, but you're not beaten. Again, a Cincinnati maybe. I'll give you that, but the other three, no. Ohio State definitely would beat Cincinnati. But they're not beating the other three. They couldn't beat Michigan. They ain't beating Georgia, and they ain't beating Ohio, and ain't beating Alabama. I'm sorry. That's just not how it's going to go. The Sugar Bowl, Baylor and Old Miss. Do I need to get into this one? As, as fun as those team teams are, they're not competing with any of them. Again, they kind of get the maybe I, I could see it with Cincinnati. But still. Mm-mm. And then, of course, we have the actual playoff games, the Cotton Bowl and the Orange Bowl, where Georgia and Alabama, the two teams that are consistently at the top of the recruiting charts, winning. Cincinnati's a great story. They had no shot. Let's be real here. Michigan, a great story. They were awful last year, and they come back and finally beat Ohio State and get into the playoffs. Had no shot against Georgia. And it was evident from the jump. You really want to expand something that's already just seeing blowouts consistently? When's the last time any of these playoff games have been competitive? Like genuinely competitive? The past few have been just ass whoopings handed out. Just go show you can't please everybody. Because everybody wants to play off with whoever. They want to play off with a few years ago UCF in it. That UCF team wasn't doing a damn thing to Alabama or Georgia that year. Because I actually believe that was the year they met in the, in the, comp, in the national championship game in Atlanta too. Where Devontae Smith caught a game when he touched it. This year, everybody wanted Cincinnati, and you got it. Look what happened. But people consistently want this, these, these darlings, these Cinderella stories in this. Some people are wanting 12-team playoffs, which would include Pittsburgh, Utah, Michigan State, Oklahoma State, Ole Miss, Baylor, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. Let's go ahead and take a look at some of these matchups, huh? So, 1 versus 12. Alabama versus Pittsburgh. Ah! That's a blowout. Michigan versus Utah. Now, Utah is one of those teams that has a puncher's chances because how physical they are. But with how good Michigan was playing up until Georgia, whose biggest strength was stopping their strength, I'm sorry, that wasn't happening. What is this? Georgia versus Michigan State. The biggest strength the Michigan State's team was Kenneth Walker III. What's Georgia's biggest strength? Stopping him. That's a blowout. Cincinnati, Oklahoma State. There you have a football game. That would be interesting. Then you have Ohio State, Baylor. Like... It's just like, so what's this? Alabama pit blowout, Michigan, Utah blowout, Georgia, Georgia, Michigan State blowout, Cincinnati versus Oklahoma State, a good football game. You, it just doesn't. <laughs> just half of these are blowouts. You probably have to give one or two teams a bye week anyway. But even if whoever gets the bye week is going to be one of the top teams, Alabama. You really want Alabama to have a week to rest, then play a team that just played a game? It just doesn't make sense. The only way it would get expanded, and I think it will get expanded, honestly, that's going to be for money. For the committee to get more money. 
you have more you have more playoff games, more meaningful bowl games, less opt-outs. More money. When the quality of the games are going to be the same, if not worse, for viewership. I understand you want better quality. But I'm telling you, with how things go now with the recruiting charts, I mean, you just got to look at it. Alabama and Georgia are consistently like one, two, three, four. Like they are just like they're always up there. This year was a little bit different because because Texas A&M was there too. But here's the biggest thing. A lot of people have a problem with the SEC dominance. Two of the four playoff teams were SEC. One non-Power 5 and one Big 10. If you expand it to this 12-team format, I'm telling you one thing. Alabama and Georgia are never missing with how things are trending right now. With how things are trending right now, you are not having a playoff without Kirby Smart and Nick Saban in it. Let's talk about some other teams in the SEC, shall we? Kentucky? They are threatening sometimes. Mark Stoops does an incredible job there. Tennessee, their offense looks like has potential to be electric in the future. Shane Beamer with South Carolina, they're in a, going in a phenomenal direction. Billy Napier with Florida, he started off hot with some of the big-name recruits he's landed. We do not know what Florida is going to be like in a couple of years. They could turn out to be back. They could turn out to be a really good football team. That's just the East. Let's talk about the West. Lane Kiffin at Old Miss. He's doing a great job there. Sam Pittman at Arkansas. He's doing a great job there. Kelly, you got Kelly Bryant over at LSU. You mean to tell me? That you want all of that happening. With an expanded playoff. I just realized I think it came in my head my mistake. I think it's actually Brian Kelly, not Kelly Bryant. I think that was an old Clemson quarterback. Oops. I'd say I cut that out, but I kind of like leaving my blunders in there like that because it adds character to the show. <laughs> but yeah, Brian Kelly at LSU. I don't really like that signing, but we'll see how it goes. I mean, he's one of the most successful coaches in the past 20 years in college football. But anyway, you really want to expand the playoff? Oh, and I just, I just forgot to mention for some reason, A&M with Jimbo. I mean, he currently has the highest rate of recruiting class ever. You want to expand the playoff with all that going on? So let's just see. So you got Georgia, Kentucky, possibly just the teams I mentioned. Georgia, Kentucky, Tennessee, South Carolina, Florida, Ole Miss, Arkansas, AM, LSU. That's nine, 10, 11 teams. 11 teams that in the future could have chances at being a playoff team. We've seen it before. The SEC just dominates the polls several times. That's why they never should have went off the BCS rankings. One and two. That's all that needs to be playing for a national championship. The best team and the second best team. Everybody else doesn't care. You get a New Year's Six Bowl. I know all the opt-outs and all that. Well, opt-outs are what's needed. Because you just saw what happened to Matt Corral, right? He didn't opt out. He decided to play for Ole Miss. He hurts his ankle and possibly hurts his draft stock. Ops outs are inevitable. And now with that injury, it's only going to get worse. You're going to have everybody opting out. That's just how it goes. Now I'm sure they'll find a way now with the new NIL deals to give them a little extra cash if they don't. But even then, I doubt it will fix everything. There's still going to be guys opting out. Top tier guys. They don't care. I'm going to get paid more in the NFL because they're going to be a top five pick. It doesn't matter. 
I just named 11 of 12 potential playoff teams if the polls worked out that way. Now, I know that's that's ridiculous. That's never going to happen. That will never happen. There will never be 11 SEC teams in the top 12. But I'm telling you, you have 11 teams right there. Now, sure, a couple of them are question marks. 11 teams plus the two tire, the two juggernauts. The two juggernauts and a bunch of question marks. But still. You really want to have a 12-team playoff and at the end of the day, it being the semifinals with a shot at the national championship and it being four SEC teams, it being Alabama, Florida, Georgia, and Tennessee or something like that, or Ole Miss. Nothing's changing. The SEC is still the premier conference in college football. None of them compare. Big Ten has Ohio State and Michigan. Two teams. And even both of them are inconsistent at times. ACC had one team, but we don't know what they're going to look like now with Clemson. Trevor Lawrence is gone. Dabo doesn't have Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence anymore. What are they going to look like? We don't know. The Pac-12 is the most inconsistent conference in college football. The Big 12, good Lord Almighty, that's going to be a horrible conference in a couple of years. And I also forgot to mention that. Oklahoma and Texas are going to be joining the SEC in a few years, if not next year. Oklahoma's been in a bunch of the college football playoffs. You want to expand it and just have the situation get worse? Because at least now we still get a little bit of variety. We get the Cincinnati's coming in every now and again. It's just, I don't see how they can make it better. Why, my biggest question is, why did they mess with perfection in the first place? The BCS rankings were perfect. How many amazing BCS national championships did we have? Filled with iconic moments and the rises of legends. Through those games. Cam Newton. Jameis Winston. I just name a couple that are from my era. You can go down the list of legends that were made in the BCS Asshole Championship game. Guys like Tebow, Vince Young, Reggie Bush. Like, you could go down the wire, man about guys that played in that BCS championship game and were icons because of it. Now, sure, the playoff has had its few legendary moments, but those have all come at the expense of having two games before the national championship game where the legendary stuff has happened being snooze fests. Sorry, but that Cincinnati-Alabama game was boring as hell. That Georgia-Michigan game, boring as hell. And it's not going to change because Kirby Smart and Nick Saban are dominating recruiting. And then you look at some of those other SEC teams I just mentioned. Kentucky has a top, has a top, has one of the best classes in college football right now. They're top 25. Tennessee is bringing in recruits. Florida is is bringing in recruits already under a rookie head coach at Florida and Billy Napier. Lane Kiffin may bring in Arch, Archie Man, Arch Manning. I get the two mixed up. It's Arch Manning. He could be bringing in Arch Manning into Oxford. Brian Kelly, we don't even know what the hell he's going to do, but he did 20 great. He's been one of the better coaches of 20 years at Notre Dame. Plus, Texas and Oklahoma are joining, too. And while we don't really know what those two teams are going to look like in the future, this situation ain't going to get better, ladies and gentlemen. It's only going to get worse if you want to expand the playoff. But it's going to happen. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. We're going to have probably about eight teams in it. But I'm telling you right now, 
when Alabama and Georgia continue to dominate, and these earth and these risers in the SEC like Florida, Kentucky, Old Miss, etc., when they are in that Final Four as well, you only have yourself to blame, and you'll beg for them to go back to the old routine. When in the end, they shouldn't even have started a playoff to begin with. Because they had it right with the BCS, but they messed that up. And you can't go back when you're making a lot of money because that's all the playoff committee is looking at is the dollar signs. Let's go ahead and wrap this show up. Man, it feels good to be wrapping up a new episode. It feels great to finally be back. I'm definitely going to try and make this a weekly thing. School will be starting back up here in about a week or two. So life will get a little bit more busy, but I'm going to try my best every week to get you a new episode. Uh, it may not be a set day. I'm not going to commit to a day where I do it because life is unpredictable. And so is my job in school. So I'll just make this say every week I'll try and get you, get you guys a new episode out because I love to do it. I love to break out that good old-fashioned sports chat once every week for you guys. But for now, it's time to say goodnight. Or goodbye. I probably shouldn't say goodnight. It's goodnight for me as I'm recording this. But it's probably not goodnight for you listening to this. So it's probably time just to say goodbye. This is RC Productions and Phil Flames with the dope beat. This show's Dallas Drop signing off.